Hello, hello, my loves, and welcome to another episode of Cocktail Conversations with Shannon. Now listen, if you thought I was going to let our cousins Harry and Meghan have an entire sit-down interview with Oprah Winfrey and not talk about it, you have lost whatever peace of mind you have. I am so ready to discuss this. I um, <laughs> I was out of town. Uh, we had a family wedding. My brother-in-law got married. Uh, kudos to him and his new bride. And so, listen, we worked hard. We had to, you know, help decorate and do all that kind of stuff and be a family and all that great stuff. And so I got back to our hotel room like an hour after the interview ended. And I was like going ham. I was on my computer looking for links, looking for links, looking for links. Honey, the amount of pornography I had to wade through to get to our cousin, Sarah and Megan. All kinds of stuff, all kinds of evil and debauchery was popping up on my screen. But I waited through it because that's how much providing some commentary on this meant to me. So let's just go ahead and get right in it. Oh, oh, before I do, there hasn't been too, too much going on in the media that I cared about. However, have you noticed? So, so Carrie Hilson, uh, singer, songwriter, uh, arch nemesis of the Beehive from the early 2000s, made a statement that she would not mind getting married, but she'd want to live separately from her husband. Like she would not want to live in the same household. And the internet is going ham and it is making me giggle. And it's making me giggle because the main people that are upset seem to be men. You know, there's always a few, uh, you know, no, not my man, not my man, you know, and I wouldn't want to live apart from my husband either. I kind of like being around him. You know, it's a good thing when you get married, like being around your husband, right? (laughs) But it is so funny to me to see the amount of women going, yeah, that would, uh, yeah, yeah, married and unmarried. Oh, you know, I mean, that wouldn't be too bad. And the men are like, she's not ready. If you don't want to live with me, I'm not gonna, that's not a wife. And it is so funny to me because it goes very much along with, um, this article that came out a little while back that seniors, older people now, people who are widows, widowers, divorcees, that the men are ready to remarry and the women are like, no, you stay at your place. Don't come over here until I invite you. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny to me. I think because I'm intrigued that no one is quite asking why. I think there's this assumption that women, uh, that if you don't want to be up under your partner 24-7, that you're tipping out, you want to dip, you don't really like them, you want to cheat on them. Uh, but can I be honest? Who is responsible for a household? Typically, stereotypically now, I'm not saying everybody because every marriage is not the same. But normally, when a man moves into a home with a woman, she has an increase of cooking and cleaning and tidying and picking up socks and picking up drawers and wiping down things. And, you know, a lot of men don't don't keep house like a woman. They don't even think about it. So, you know, this woman is literally cleaning up after him like he's a child and she's the maid. And so I get why some people, I get why some women are like, no, nah, you keep your mess at your place and we can get together when it's time to get down and be romantic. Bring your romance but leave them dirty draws at your place. <laughs> and that's all, that's, guess what, Carrie? You could take that snoring back to your place and then when I'll see you in the morning, we'll go to breakfast. Uh, you can take that to your place. Them dirties, that mess you leave on the counter, them sandwiches you make, keep that at your place. Come over for dinner. I might cook you something nice because I feel like it. I, 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 <laughs> I keep telling y'all, marriage benefits straight men the most they which is funny because they're the most resistant to it you know the world has told them to play the bachelor but they get the most benefits out of it if you want to be honest the way that society is set up (laughs) but I just enjoy seeing people up in in an uproar on the internet about things that technically are not their business because and we're going to get into this with Harry and Meghan as well this proves my point again your marriage is yours to make your relationships are yours to live and you have to set your standards, your boundaries together as a couple for what you want. So Carrie Hilson was saying what she wants for herself. Maybe she'll find a partner that is cool with living in a duplex with her 
And they can cozy up when they're ready to cozy up. When the movie over and the sex is done, you go back to your place. That's fine for them. Now, if your marriage is different and you feel like, no, we got to be up under each other every day. We got to, we got to be practically Siamese twins in the spirit. That, too, is okay. That, too, is okay. So let people do what they need to do and be right for them. Okay, let's dive on in. Um, I do want to start off first because you have to start off with giving Oprah her kudos, her flowers, her trophies, her rewards, her laurels, all of that. I think um, for those of us who grew up in the era of the Oprah Winfrey show, and especially because, you know, I do interviewing and, and you all listen to me interview people, it was like watching a master class in Oprahism. And and the Oprah Winfrey show ended I don't even remember. It feels like it's been forever now. But, you know, we, we used to see Oprah do this every single day. And, you know, when you see something all the time, you kind of take for granted. It's just like, that's Oprah. That's okay. That's how she does things. But watching her do a full sit-down interview again and be able to eke out all that tea and to do so tastefully. Um, although I, I could tell they snatched her wig as well with some of the things that they said because her reactions were great. But it was just really, really good as a person who does uh, interviews and studies that sort of thing to see Oprah do it and it's like mm, that's why you the goat girl that's why mm, I remind thank you for reminding us that you're about this life Oprah that you are the queen of interviews so let's just dive in I listen so I was watching it and I got like 20 minutes in it was like y'all I'm 20 minutes in I text my friends of course I was like, I've got 20 points of notes already, and I just started watching. So let's just dive on in. One of the great things is that Oprah and Harry and Meghan are now neighbors. They live apparently down the street, but they hosted the interview at another neighbor's home because that neighbor had the nice backyard, which is such a like, <laughs> even though they're fabulous and they live in mansions, what a regular thing to do. Like, you want to, we got to take this thing. Hmm. You think Susan Holm, her house got that nice, pretty view, <laughs> so... I thought that was nice. And it was a beautiful neighbor who let them use their home. Thank you. Uh, but such a fun fact that they are now neighbors. Um, so we started off with just Megan on the interview. The thing that kind of blew a lot of our minds as she was talking was that she went into it naively. And of course, of course, she went into it naively. You don't really know what you're getting from the royal family until you're in it. Because that's kind of a thing for everybody when you get married, right? You know your partner's family, but... To a certain extent, you don't really know the inner workings of their family unless you've been there a long period of time, you've been dating for years, things like that. And that was not her situation. Most people who've dated like a year or two don't know the deep inner workings of a family. However, she said she didn't even research. She didn't Google. She just wanted to fall in love the old-fashioned way, her and her man. She didn't do any research. Now... I, for those of you who don't know me personally and don't know my viewing habits, I love some British TV. I watched Downton Abbey. I'm currently watching Victoria. My mother-in-law put me on to watching Victoria. All about the life of Queen Victoria. I watch a lot of things like that, historic dramas about that. And of course, I watched the last season of The Crown because <laughs> we'll get there. However, having said that, even though I know a great deal about their mess because of those TV shows... I still feel like you need to Google at least how to walk in, how to talk to people, how to do certain things. <laughs> she didn't do any of that. Um, and I get it. You know, we're very, she's very American. Um, I think her mother was, her mother's Jamaican, I think, but very, very American. And we just think about famous people, celebrities, you know, and she pointed that out. You know, she's from LA. She's an actress. She's used to celebrities. She's friends with his cousin, um, Fergie and Andrew's daughter. So she, I think she thought she was better prepared than she, she didn't realize, I think, how big of a task she was going for. Because, you know, she's pretty and well-mannered. What's the problem? We'll get into that. So, you know, she didn't understand it. She started dating uh, Harry and, of course, already knew Fergie and, and her, you know, his cousins and things like that. And, and she said uh, the first time she met the queen, it was because she was coming to lunch, like, after church and was at... Uh, they were all at lunch at uh, Fergie and Andrew's home. The strangest divorcees, because Andrew's in all this Epstein mess, and we know he gets down with children. 
but Fergie is still there and they're whatever. So, you know, she had no clue that she had to learn how to curtsy, that she had to do all of these things. Um, and so she was like, what, you know, I have to do all this stuff. And it's just a private dinner with your grandma. And it's like, no, my grandma's the queen. So, um, you know, this is, that should have told her right then I got to Google. Like, I don't know how that was not a, a clear sign that it's time to do a little bit more work <laughs> than just being a nice person because there is protocol, there are standards, there are so many things and no, it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. It's stupid. It seems a bit antiquated. It's a bit over the top. It does not. But that is order and rank and all those things is how these people thrive. So she should have done a Google. We all are in agreement. You should have done your Google. Now, that's not saying she should have been, you know, Googling Harry, like to see if they hid any mess. And, you know, I get it. You want to date like a normal person, but you cannot date a prince of a nation without at least looking up some protocols to me. That's, you know, any tips and advice for anybody else. All y'all want an African prince. That's my tip. Google the customs of, of that country. So, uh, so she talks about it and that she felt like she had a lovely and still seems like she feels like she has a lovely relationship with the queen. The queen is from the, the way they described her, like a regular grandma you know, old fashioned, but still sweet, still kind. And I think, and I was thinking about it, you know, the queen has what, no children that had a successful marriage. None, none. The crown ate up every relationship that they had. And so I think maybe, you know, after everything with Diana, after everything with, you know, Fergie and, and you know, all her children, I'm sure that now she's learned, you know what, these kids gonna do, they gonna do, I'm gonna just chill. Which would be what a grandma Grandmas are always nicer to their grandchildren than they are to their children. It's facts. Take it up with your mama. So, <laughs> so she tells us that she, we get into the wedding, right? That they wanted to have a little something for themselves. So they actually privately got married, you know, just in the yard, the three of them, them and the pastor. And that was three days before the actual royal wedding. So when we saw them get married before everyone, they had already had their own private ceremony which I think is good and also kind of sets the tone whether or not they realize it, it it's very much a prophetic situation in terms of knowing that this is this is going to be an ongoing thing for them and that is having to create their own thing for themselves because that royal world is not is not conducive to a happy marriage to be honest and having to set up boundaries and, and rightfully so. I think everybody has to do that in their relationships, right? That's not different than any one of us. When you are planning a wedding, which is what I'm going to get into next, um, you know, it's high stakes. It's high emotions. You're merging two lives. You're merging two families. And so I think it makes sense to say, well, no, we're going to set up some stuff so that our relationship, the reason everybody's here, has some, some, some spunk of its own. And so they did that. So we dive into a bit of the gossip and the rumor. So one of the things that Kate says was, of course, once she officially became Harry's girlfriend and fiance, the firm, as she called it, which is there's the royal family and then all of the handlers and decision makers and business people that are around the business of the royal family. So, you know, they started to dictate who she could talk to, who she couldn't talk to. Her family and friends uh, were told not to contact the media. You don't release a statement. You don't say anything. We will release statements, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So already there was a standard that was made, and that was that we don't get to state or, or anything. You know, we don't get to say our piece. Everybody has to fall in line and that the monarchy will protect her. Uh, and so she went under that, again, being naive, again, not having done her research, thinking that, I okay, I don't have to say nothing. These people want us to all have a good image. They're going to come out and, and handle this business. So, of course, you know, she has to deal with the mess from her father because her father's a piece of trash and his side of the family. And, of course, the racism that's veiled as politeness in, in the U.K., um, and, and she's just being told to say nothing, do nothing, just do nothing. Now, if you watch The Crown, they kind of hinted that when, you know, uh, Queen Elizabeth and I think Margaret Thatcher are talking and she says, oh, we do nothing. Doing nothing is what we do. <laughs> and so there is this idea of before even Megan came that the, the best way to defute things is to not acknowledge them. 
However, that's just not necessarily realistic and it does not help, particularly when you have a vulnerable member of your family. You have to sometimes dignify, at least to say, shut up, you're stupid, don't say that. But so, you know, they got married, they had the wedding. Months later, that story that Megan made Kate cry over flower girl dresses about the wedding and Megan was a bridezilla, et cetera, et cetera. Um, according to Megan, the truth was that Kate made her cry um, about the flower girl dresses and she wanted something a particular way. And she didn't go too in depth about exactly the details of the argument, but she did say that after the fact, Kate apologized, sent her flowers, sent her a card, etc. Now, if you have had a wedding, if you have planned a wedding, if you have been a wedding party member, there is stress involved. You are, uh, you know, emotional. You will cry about things that maybe you normally would not cry about. Um, so, um, and that's not me negating that Kate probably should have shut her mouth. But yeah, you know, the, the stakes are high. Then you add in for them that it's on the public stage. There is a, a world of people watching. Everything matters, right? Um, however, Kate, when you are in a wedding party, I know you think you look queen to be. You shut your mouth and do what the bride says. Now, if you have a helpful suggestion, and this is my tip for a lot of you that are going to be bridesmaids or whatever, you're going to be in a wedding. Your bride needs your support. So that doesn't mean you take over. That doesn't mean you start, well, this ain't the way it goes. Shut your mouth. You have to handle things with delicate care because it is not just an event for that person. It is a life-changing thing. So Kate probably should have shut her mouth and stopped being flower girl dressed Karen. Apparently they apologized and made up. But once the media got a hold to it, they flipped it around, villainized Megan, who was the, you know, crier, not the cryee in this situation. And the palace said nothing. They were told to say nothing. Kate's, uh, Megan's friends who were aware of it and had maybe been at the event were told, don't say anything. And so we also don't know if Kate was also told, don't say anything by this. You know, we don't know if, if, the, if Princess Kate was even allowed to say, no, that didn't happen. That's not at all the case. We're fine. No one was allowed to defend her. She was not allowed to defend herself. And none of her friends and loved ones were allowed to say anything either. And so I think Megan realized that the firm, as she calls them, the, the institution, the royal business was not going to protect her. It was actually going to let her be in the line of fire if that meant protecting the bigger wig, you know, the crown prince, the one who's going to be king and his wife. William and Kate, they didn't have a problem letting Harry and Meghan take the proverbial bullet. Then you add in that Meghan being a black woman. And I know, you know, biracial, mixed. Uh, she's the palest mixed girl I know. But <laughs> it doesn't matter to a racist. It doesn't matter to a bigot. They see this beautiful black woman that is her mother and the conversation shifts. So after that, she is pregnant. Hooray, Archie is on the way and things get worse and worse and worse for her behind the scenes, right? She, she says, nothing looks like what it's looked like. Everything that you see in public is set up to look like it is beautiful, it is happy, it is great. But the truth is it could be destructive and evil in the background and her mental health. And of course, you know, being pregnant, hormones, depression, postpartum, all those things are probably a factor as well. Um, she said that she wasn't really allowed to go places unless everybody approved, right? The firm, the institution. So she was home for months at a time. And they would say, you're oversaturated right now. Why don't you lay low? And when they say oversaturated, they meant that there's too many tabloids about you. There's too many news stories and they're not good. So just don't be out in public. Well, that also means that there's no one seeing you happy out. There's no one seeing you with friends. There's no one seeing you be good. They are literally only seeing stories that are being spread by people who don't like you, don't think you deserve to be with the prince, don't like that you're black, don't like that you're American. So the only words that's out, the only people that are saturating the market about you are people that don't like you. And you can't say anything and you can't do anything. So she's only making like very public appearances. 
um, and smiling in the faces of, of, of what she needs to do, but she wasn't really allowed to go anywhere, which I'm sure added to her poor mental health. Um, add in, and then she tells us quite frankly that there were conversations, of course, about not giving Archie a royal title, which meant that he didn't get public security. He didn't get any security for his health and safety. So he's a very famous little baby. Uh, his father and mother are very famous celebrities, but there's no budget for them to have a security guard. And you know that there are racist threats and death threats and horrible things against them, but you're not going to secure them and you're not going to give him a little title. So he's not entitled to security. And, and then they, they dropped this bomb. And this is when me and Oprah gasped and said, you got to, I'm sure Oprah wanted to cuss inside. Cause I wanted, I cussed, but you know, Oprah's a professional. And she said that there was a family member who wanted to question how dark is he going to be? And it wasn't the queen. That's the one thing that they were clear about. It wasn't the queen, it wasn't the queen husband, which makes me think it's William, Kate or Charles, or it may not, you know, if it was a horse face Camilla, I think they would have said it. So I think it's one of those three, probably William. And how, like, what difference does it make? Tell me what difference it makes if, if Archie is brown. Now, Archie is, he's a cute little redhead baby. He looks like his daddy. So, you know, much ado about nothing in terms of complexion, but also, who gives a damn? I've been black my whole life. Okay? Archie is going to be fine being a one-fourth of black. He's fine. And don't sit around like y'all are so damn pretty that you could, a tan would do some of you good. Ooh, look, I'm getting mad again. Let me calm my nerves down so I can keep talking. Ooh, okay. So, hmm, all right. So, Megan is still feeling very unprotected, unsupported in this role. She's officially a working royal, a senior quote-unquote royal, but they're not getting, you know, they're getting a salary and a place to live, but they're not getting the safety that you would need in such a high-profile position. Um, and they did not go on record to negate anything. There was no statement, please, you know, we are seeing the, the vitriol that you all are spewing at this princess. There was no statement. There was no defense. There was no, that didn't happen. You know who has gotten a little cute statement? Andrew, the one that's been with Epstein and the one that we know has a thing for teenage girls and that, you know, mm, oh yeah, he got a statement put out, you know, in his defense. But she didn't get anything. And, and Archie, again, never got a real title, never got security. And they allowed the media to go out and say that they rejected it when it was never offered. Same thing with now. I don't know if you all remember when William and Kate had their babies, they come out like the day they have the damn baby and put out a little like photo like here we are on the hospital steps with this newborn fresh out the box baby. Um, and, and <laughs> Megan and Harry did not do that. And so for a lot of people, some people were, you know, I guess, you know, the people who were used to that tradition were like, Oh, she, she had her baby. Now as a black American woman, I thought good, the baby shouldn't be out there in the fresh air, just breathing all y'all's nasty, you know, old people air for a picture, take a picture now, send it to us. Okay. For me, that is just the way black people will stay in the home with their baby for a smooth two months before that kid is allowed to breathe regular people's air. That's just what I'm used to. I thought that was what Megan was doing and they let it go out. Megan said they were not offered. They were not instructed. They were not told. So they created a new situation or a new photo opportunity because the after the fact, there was some pushback, but they were not offered the same opportunity to say, oh, here's our new little fresh baby. Now granted, Good. Look how God blocked it. However, you know, again, there's this time where what is she's not being offered the same things that 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 William and Kate are being offered, but then being told, oh, you so rude, you're so nasty, you're this. Blah. Okay. So completely unprotected and nobody just standing up for her and saying, Y'all got it all wrong. Um, and so she was saying the racism and abuse, that's how she phrased it, racism and abuse literally made her mental health so bad that she started to have suicidal thoughts. Like, I'm the problem. 
much she's big pregnant at this point me being here and me existing and me being black is such a problem I'm gonna just kill myself now for those of you who have never had depression or suicidal thoughts or suicidal ideations I know that that's got to be hard for you to understand but for people who have been extremely depressed it doesn't have to make sense because you're probably sitting there like that didn't make any sense like what 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 should you know what's killing herself gonna fix when you are that severely depressed the mind starts making connections to make things make sense that don't and so the mind will tell you if you just weren't here (laughs) this that and the other would get fixed or this you know that's that's how it works and so that's you know I'm trying to get that so that y'all understand the seriousness of what she revealed to us and that is also why there's some people who need to be dragged by their toenails for their reaction to what she said I need you to understand the seriousness of how a suicidal thought works it does not follow logic so if you are not that depressed and if you've not had that experience you're not going to get it in that sense but I need you to get that when somebody tells you they've had a suicidal thought it's a real thing and it's a serious thing because your mind is telling you you are a problem and if you would just go away xyz that's what's happening so so she's saying that when she started to have those issues she of course told harry and they went to um i guess what would be considered human resources for the royal family like like there is a a point a department that is supposed to be the people that help them and she said i need help i need help i need mental help and they would not allow her to check into any kind of an institution they would not allow her to uh, get the help that she needed. So they were basically, in order to keep appearances, pretty much ready to let this woman kill herself. And, and as much as racism plays a part, we all know that they were willing to do the same thing for Princess Diana. Princess Diana had severe depression. She had an eating disorder. And, um, and they didn't get her any help either. So part of it, I think, is racism, but part of it is that the court, the royal family is just trash. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, Princess Diana was as white as white's going to get, and they, they ate her up. <sighs> so we bring in uh, Prince Harry, take a little break. Prince Harry comes in, and we hear this part of things from his perspective, right? as a person who is from this family, from this lifestyle, his whole life has been about this. And, and everything changed when he fell in love, right? So first of all, let me t- start with the good. They revealed to us that this new baby is a little girl. I'm very excited because I love new babies and I love little girls. I think it's gonna be so cute. They have one of each. And uh, you know, Harry is looking nice. This is why, get y'all a black woman. Loving a black woman makes you look good, man. It makes you fine. And loving a woman right? Look, by the end, I was like, that's a husband right there. So we'll get into it. <laughs> and I'll explain why I was just yelling about him being a good husband. But uh, so he reveals that the, the he, and, I, and, and I'm gonna, when he said this, I understood to a certain extent that he was like, I was not, he, he did not realize how racist people were, his nation was, his family was, until he had to experience it through being married to Megan. And I know a lot of people were like, well, what the hell, was he okay with racism until he had a black wife? I really think, now, of course, I've never been white, but I really think that if it's not the Klan, if it's not a Nazi and if it's not the N-word, most white people are just not trained to see what's happening. The same way a lot of men, as long as they're not calling you the B-word, they don't really understand sexist behavior. You're like, hey, that's sexist. They're like, what? That's just, what do you mean? I think, I think that's what it is. Like he did not see it because it wasn't happening to him. It wasn't in his face. He wasn't having those in-depth conversations. He was not hearing. And you know, there's no need to talk about black people when black people aren't around. So I don't think he really understood. All he knew was my family doesn't, we don't have any Nazis. We don't have any, you know, you know, he's probably thinking no one says the N word. 
because a lot of people think like that. Like it has to be the absolute worst thing possible. Uh, you know, how many people do we know who go, I'm not homophobic. And then you realize what makes you think you're not, you say these, you said this, you said that. And they're like, as long as they haven't called someone an FAG, they think they're not homophobic. It's not like, you know, and it's like, no, the bar is not. Yeah. So I think that was, that's probably Harry's issue. So he was not really aware. He got a crash course in racism. Uh, 101 because he married Megan. Um, so he was saying, you know, at that point he was aware of how bad her mental health was. And they had a night where they had a public event. She admitted to him or, or revealed to him that she was having these suicidal ideations. And he was like, okay, do you need to stay home? Do you need to? And she literally got dressed, got beautiful and said, I have to go because I'm scared to be home alone. Um, again, because some people are not going to understand that. And I understood it. What people don't understand, because I've seen some people say, oh, you're so depressed. You want to kill yourself, but you got dressed up and you can go out. Listen, everybody's depression doesn't look the same. We have this cute idea that everyone who's depressed just wants to crawl under a blanket and, um, and be sad. But for people who are extroverted, which I'm almost sure Megan probably is, she's an actress, um, she's done performing, she doesn't seem like she's the type of person who is shy. When you are an extrovert, being out is your safe place, not being home alone in your bed. Being home alone and quiet is where all the sad things come in. I had a period of time where I was extremely depressed and I needed to go get dressed and go out and go laugh. It was taking my mind to a place that was not the sadness, right? And so I understand that like, and looked beautiful, looked stunning, goes out, does, does what she needs to do. Because for a few hours, I'm focused on this thing. I'm focused on knowing when to curtsy and when to smile and shaking hands and how are you? And not how miserable her life was. Um, so, you know, again, things are not what they seem. When we see people out and they look great, don't be jealous, baby. You don't know what's going on inside of them. You don't know what's going on in their head. And she was really in a bad spot. So Harry decides to ask if they could step back from being full-time royals and if they could move to Canada to keep working in service to the queen. Um, and so they were not trying to, how they explained it was they were not trying to just be like, we don't want to be with y'all no more. As much as it was just like, let's get out of England. We can still do some work. We'll just have to cut back. And the firm, the institution, said it's all or nothing. Either you stay here and allow yourselves. Let me just, this is how I'm translating it. Stay here and allow yourselves to be abused or you get nothing. They cut his salary. They cut security. So they were in Canada with absolutely no security, which seems to be the main thing. It's not so much the money that they seem to be as bothered by, right? It is the fact that it's like, hey, we need bodyguards. <laughs> we don't have security. That seems to be the thing that they keep bringing up. So thankfully, Tyler Perry, who can I just tell you guys is though, yes, I've made tons of fun of Tyler Perry's last movie, A Fall From Grace. But one thing I will say, Tyler Perry seems like a really awesome friend to have. Tyler Perry stepped in and was a hero and let them have one of his homes that's in LA and stay there for months and a security team so that they could get back on their feet. Um, which I think is, you know, man, Tyler Perry, this, this is why, this is why God keeps blessing him, even though people hate his movies and we can't stop watching it because he's always, he's just good. He's a good person. <laughs> like I, it just dawned on me like, dog, that's why you keep getting blessed, Tyler Perry. I watch every movie and I'd be mad, but you get my money every time. And now I see why God keeps blessing Tyler Perry because he's actually, what a kind that's a kind thing to do for anybody, any friend. I mean, yes, he's got the money, he's got the house. But just to be able to say, hey, I'm not going to let you suffer out here in danger, because that's danger when you're famous, to not have security, to be well-known. And for people to know, paparazzi blew up the exact location of where they were staying in Canada. So people knew the address. Anyone could walk up to that house and, 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 and cause all kinds of damage. So... It is important and it is nice and it is good that Tyler Perry stepped in and was like, no, 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 I got a house and I got security guards. Stay over there. So this was this was good. Um, 
But so there, there were rumors that the queen was, quote, blindsided. Again, here we go with the not refuting any kind of rumor against them. The queen was not blindsided. Harry says he talks to his grandma all the time. He says he's talked to her more now than he probably did when he was a working royal. She knew. He said he had at least two to three conversations about it before there was any sort of an announcement. Why the, the crown did not announce or say, you know, please stop saying that Harry is lying or cheating or whatever is beyond me. But he was saying, no, my grandma is my grandma. I love her. She was not blindsided. Then he let us know that his brother, not his brother. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to him soon. About the cousin. Okay. Mm. He said his father. He said he had two conversations with his dad about it before his dad stopped taking his calls. And he said he had talked to some other family members and their reaction was sort of, well, this is just the way things are. Um. Now, two points of, of, two points. Harry comes from a family. And if you've watched The Crown and you've watched all these British shows, there does seem to be an overall acceptance of this is just the way life is and you do your part and that's it. And being okay with misery for the kingdom, for the crown, for the, you know, and, and, and a lot of us probably in our own ways have that burden of, well, I don't know what you, what you, you gonna, you know, this is just what it is. We all have to deal with gossip. We all have to deal with this. This is just a part of being who we are. And so get over it. And so a lot of them didn't seem to understand from the sounds of it, why he was so pressed about it and why he was not okay with just sucking it up and dealing with it. I also want to talk about Charles because F you, Charles. Here's why. You know what it's like to be miserable, don't you? You were forced to marry someone and you ruined her life because you were such a jerk, because you were in love with the divorcee, etc. You went years without being with the person you actually loved, destroyed another person's life, and yet you don't understand why your son is willing to move heaven and earth for his wife. Maybe that's why you don't understand it, but you were willing to like destroy a whole human for Camilla. So explain to me why you don't understand why Harry is okay with y'all basically calling his wife the N-word, but more polite. Like, no, gosh, why is he, is he just committed to being trash? That's why I feel like the queen's gonna live forever and Charles will never be king and I'm gonna laugh. I am, y'all know I'm petty. I will, I'm gonna laugh when that happens. When the queen is 110 and Charles kicks the bucket and it just skips him completely, I'm a, hmm, I'm a two-step and do-si-do. That's what I'll do. So, so Charles stopped taking his own son's calls. And Harry, Harry states clearly, like, I'm very disappointed in my family that no one was willing to stand up against the racism. And, that, and, and I get it. It's like, no, maybe you don't need to do a 10-point bulletin on every lie that was told. But to just flat out say, don't be racist. That's not, hello? <laughs> that ain't really revolutionary. And they weren't willing to do that. And that's disappointing. Some interesting things that Harry told us <laughs> was that the tabloids in the UK are so powerful that the palace hosts parties for them. Can you imagine? Now, this is not like we have like the White House press corps and, and that's the closest we could probably get in, in the sense of like the White House throwing a party for the, the media. But that's not the same as like we're going to invite the Inquirer and everyone who's literally spewed lies. That's a little different than saying, please be nice to us. We'll let you have a party at our house. That's basically what he's telling us the royals do for like the Daily Mirror and the Sun and all of these very, very tabloidy, uh, yucky papers that will spew lies about them. But it, this attempt to just be nice to us, we'll let you have a party here. So already we realize that there is an imbalance of really control. Do they feel empowered enough to stand up against the tabloids? Or are they just begging them to be nice? Yuck. Um, Megan said that no one really offered her any formal training. There were little things that people told her, but they really did sort of allow her. She did not get a boot camp or a training or finishing school 
to be prepared for any of the sort of uh, rituals. You know, she talks about having to Google the national anthem and learn it at night because there was an event that was happening and she was expected to be able to sing along. Nobody took her aside before that wedding and said, okay, it's time for princess school. Here's, you know, mm -mm. so, you know, she was really sort of thrown to the wolves in this situation and no one, no one reached out and grabbed her hand. Very, very sad. Um, very, 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 very sad. So Harry says, and this was interesting, that he was trapped in the system and there was no way he would have seen it or been strong enough to leave if he had not had Megan. He literally says that she saved his life and he feels like his whole family is trapped within the system, which I kind of get. I mean, we all know how Charles's story went. He was not free to marry who he really wanted. He's not been free to do certain things and he had to beg, wait, wait, divorce, basically kill his ex-wife. And then, you know, so there, there was a lack of autonomy that they have. There's nothing they can do that does not have to go through so many people. I mean, the fact that Megan had to ask, essentially ask her job if she could get some mental health and they were allowed to tell her, no, let you know that these people are controlling the very basic elements of your human life. Um, and so for Harry to realize, I didn't realize how unfree I was. It was just the life that I had. Um, yeah, he's right. Uh, the family has cut him off financially. has no income coming in from the royal family. But look at God, because your mama, how many of you know a good mama? Hey, glory, mm, will provide for you. He is living because Diana left him a large inheritance. Um, and that's how they've been able to get their home and they've been able to survive during this time. That's how I know Princess Diana was hip to the T. She knew something was going to happen because why would you leave? It's like, you're the prince. I don't have to leave you a giant inheritance. I mean, you, you can, of course, you know, that's your child. But just the fact that she was thinking ahead and preparing, like, my son may have to, I need them to be free. I need them to be able to be free when it's time. Um, yeah, I think Diana is smiling. I think she's smiling down on them. I do. Because those of us that are of a certain age and remember that period of time, and if you watch The Crown season four, this is not the first time we've seen this family do this to people who marry in. Hopefully it's the last time we see it, but it ain't the first time. And that's what's interesting is like, yes, there is this element of racism that adds an extra layer of ick in the fact that he was like, I do not want to see history repeat itself. He sees that clear parallel. They did a lot of the same stuff to Diana and racism was not the problem. That's how you know they're the problem. They just picked a new reason. But they, it, and Diana was also very loved, very popular. And they turned on her and, you know, here we go, history repeating itself. But Harry stepped in like a good husband's supposed to and says, absolutely not on my watch. You won't come from my wife. And the two of them have been able to join together and they're forcing the world to see what needs to change, what needs to happen, and, and, and to correct a narrative that has been told about them that's incorrect. Um, and so Harry was very, very honest. He speaks often to the queen. He said he was let down by his father and he's trying to work through the pain. They're talking again, but he's like, I'm still very hurt by my dad. Um, and then he said that he and William's relationship is one of space, which is kind of why I think he's the one who asked like, is your baby gonna be a darkie? Because <laughs> they were really thick as thieves. And, and all of a sudden now it's just like, absolutely not. Like, I don't need to talk to him. We got space. Maybe that'll change one day. I love you, but I don't have to be around you. So I think if anything, what we can all learn from this is the importance of boundaries, both for ourselves and what we're going to tolerate. And for, you know, if you are forming a, a marriage, you know, church folk used to say you got to leave and cleave, which means you're supposed to leave your parents and cleave to your partner. You two are forming your own union. 
And I think that gets that, you know, that's easier said than done. Let me be honest, because your family of origin is all you know. And when you're, you know, you're blessed when your family of origin and your new partner are able to meld and be together and all those things. But you have to set a boundary around like your mama should not be causing all the problems in your husband's life. Um, your mother should not be the reason your, your wife is not allowed or doesn't feel comfortable coming to family get togethers. I mean, that's on a very basic level. But Harry had the situation in which my wife is not comfortable in this whole country of origin. Then let's just go. <laughs> like, that's right. Choose your, your partner and the mental health of your partner first. And you got to be able to see clearly when there is racism, when there is incorrect behavior, when there is bigotry. No, we're not going to take that. You're not going to sit around and be abused. So I just feel like that is such a good if you don't take anything else from this, mental health is important. And, and when you are forming a new relationship with somebody and, and a marriage in particular, don't do this for everybody you date because y'all will be having us mad at all you little boyfriends. But, you know, when you're forming a marriage, sometimes you have to choose each other first and the rest of the family will know how to govern themselves accordingly. They'll be OK. You know, you have to know when to set your boundaries. Uh, we also got a, a little shot of cute baby Archie, who's now a big boy. Um, he's so cute. And they said he, he loves saying the word hydrate. And ironically, he likes yelling, drive safe at everybody. <laughs> little kids are funny. And of course, because Twitter is deep, they were like, isn't it ironic? He loves saying drive safe and what happened to his grandma. Y'all are so, it is weird. Um, but so, yeah, so we got a little shot of Archie. We're waiting for a little girl in the summertime and they have a farm with like chickens, which I'm never going to be sure I understand this. Let's have chickens thing, but whatever floats your boat, people, whatever floats your boat. So of course this interview left us all with our eyes, you know, bulged out and our scalps, you know, naked and just all of the emotions that you have. And of course, because people are people the internet is a buzz and some people showed their behinds. And let's talk about people who I want to kiss my ass this week, okay? On behalf of our cousins, Megan and Harry. You know, so what's funny is I keep calling them our cousins because A, all black folks are cousins, uh, except for Candace Owens. That ain't no cousin of mine. But um, also because, <laughs> this is a random fun fact. My mother watched some youtube thing about everyone who has like rh negative blood is related to um the king like the the lineage <laughs> of of the kings and queens of england and my mother had was uh, rh negative blood type so she was convinced that harry was our cousin for real <laughs> ah, so uh <laughs> So, hey, cousin, and, and, and to Queen Elizabeth, hey, auntie. <laughs> okay. Ooh, all right, back to my list of people who can kiss my behind. Uh, Wendell Pierce. Now, this is actually an, an unusual one because I generally like him as an actor. He was Meghan Markle's former Suits co-worker. And um, I think he played like her dad on the show. Somebody asked him uh, in an interview about the interview and he responded that it was quote full of sound and fury signifying nothing um, and that it was quite insensitive and offensive that we're all complicit in this sort of palace gossip in the midst of such death it's insignificant um and now he's saying that Oh, it's been misquoted that, you know, she's always a friend of mine. She'll always have a friend of me. I just had no interest in the interview. Uh, and, and I don't really think it's time to gossip about, um, you know, whatever, whatever. And, and this is like, he's Terry cruising it, right? In the sense of like, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can talk about the deaths and COVID and all of those things and talk about the fact that this woman at the highest level of, uh, what most people would think you've reached a level in which you don't have to worry about petty racism is enduring racism and dealt with depression to the point of dealing with mental health struggles. Like we can do both. I don't know if he can do both, but there's always a time to say, I don't have any comment. Or I don't feel comfortable talking about that. I want to focus on this. Like, and the reason I said he's Terry cruising her 
is because Terry Crews did the same thing with Gabrielle Union. Remember when she said there was racism at the job and he was like, no, 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 I ain't never had none. Stop. There is always a time for a woman, particularly a black woman, to call out injustice, to call out racism, to call out discrimination. And if you want to talk about everybody dying from COVID, then just shift your conversation without insulting her without negating the importance of her life experiences. I just need everybody to get better at that because there are times that, you know, I get it. Like people ask you things and you're kind of like, I don't really know if I care about that. Or even if you're like, I didn't come here to talk about that. And you can say like, you know, I, I'm really only here to discuss this, that, and the other. I wish Megan well. She's my, you know, there was just a way you can say it that isn't yucky. Okay. I just need people to get better at, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can talk about that and not yuck. <sighs> Bethany Frankel. Those of you who uh, are not Real Housewives fans, she is formerly of the Real Housewives of New York. She is also uh, the founder of Skinny Girl. She's very obsessed with being skinny, but that's a whole different conversation. Um, and she decided that she wanted to tweet through um, the interview. And the things that she tweeted made me want to snap her little twig legs in half. Because she has a history of saying some stuff that, that rancors my spirit as a black woman. She's really aggravating to me. Um, and so she literally was like, oh cry me a river. You chose to be the princess. Uh, I've been, you know, I've chosen to do this. And you're just like, how'd she say it? She called her an unknown actress. I'm going to find the exact tweet because I want you to know why I think she deserves a punch in the face. Because how dare you? And the fact that every season of Real Housewives in New York, we have to watch her cry and beg for privacy and cry about her sad divorce and cry about how, you know, her daughter, whatever. Okay, so she says, and I'm sure I'm only getting half of it, Bethany's quote originally as she's live tweeting this thing says, cry me a river, the plight of being a game show host, fairly unknown actress to suffering in a palace with tiaras and a seven-figure wedding for two whole years to being a household name with Oprah on speed dial, fetching seven million for interviews, hundreds of millions in media deals. And then she sort of made, I chose, as if this was <laughs> comparable, I chose reality TV to work towards making money, to be scrutinized and criticized. I took the trappings and the beatings along with it. It's a rose petals with thorns. Ugh, Twitter. Uh, people beg to enter the often toxic institution I signed up for. That was the life I chose. You can't play stupid and smart. Um, so she basically is dismissive of Megan's mental health issues and compares, you know, falling in love and marrying someone who happens to be a prince to choosing to be on the Real Housewives of New York. <laughs> um, yeah, Bethany is just, just like, what a miserable, malnourished person. Like, Bethany has not been happy for more than two days of her life. There's always something wrong with her. There's always something unhappy within her. She's desperately crying for mental health herself. But instead of actually, like, focusing on herself, she decides to publicly tweet something that is dismissive of someone else's experiences with racism and mental health. Shut up. So now, of course, because now everybody, including Chriselle from... Uh, What's Selling Sunset? She's so pretty. Uh, called her a racist and a bigot and said, you're stupid. Shut up. She wants to write, I'm sorry. I watched the sit down. First, she calls them M&H, which I don't like. Um, I watched the M&H sit down. Emotional distress and racism must feel suffocating and power powerless. I'm a polarizing, unfiltered, often to a fault, flawed person with a voice. And when I heard the interview during a pandemic, it felt like a surprising choice. I'm sorry if I hurt or offended you. I think I tweeted her. You could have kept that. Because saying, I'm sorry if I hurt or offended you is not a real apology. I think we talked about this when I talked about Justin Timberlake and the right ways to apologize. This is not 
the way to apologize. Because what you're saying is not, I'm sorry I said that, I'm sorry I did that. You're not taking ownership for it. What you're saying is, I'm sorry your feelings are so weak that you can't take what I said. So Bethany, take your apology, shove it down your throat. I hope it adds a calorie to you because that's not real. That's not authentic. And it lets me know that you still don't see the truth of what you say, what you think, and the effects that racism has on a woman, particularly a woman who is in a fragile state, like having a whole baby. Okay. So Bethany can kiss my behind as well. It'd be the first piece of chocolate she's ever had. <laughs> Let's talk about Piers Morgan. Uh, so for those of you who don't remember, Piers Morgan is a so-called journalist um, <laughs> who, um, he used to be on CNN and, you know, he's British. So he is, uh, was a host on a show in the UK called Good Morning Britain, which I'm assuming is like their version of Good Morning America. Uh, but he also is just like, he spends a lot of time complaining about Meghan Markle. I guess he and Meghan Markle went on a date once or twice. And when she met Harry, she cut him off. And he's just never been okay with the fact that she didn't fall head over heels with him. Very uh, yucky. And not a, duh, he's not really attractive. So, but he's always saying something. And he's always saying something with a slight bigoted uh yucky racist sexist kind of a tinge to it anyway so he you know is up there you know he insulted one of his co-workers I mean he's just yucky and his co-worker uh I forget this guy's name but he's a biracial man got with him that's what he said he said he didn't believe her when she said she didn't want to be alive anymore he did not believe that she had suicidal thoughts and his co-worker Alex I found hold on when the website keeps changing the ad so the size of the font keeps changing makes me want to cuss um yeah so he says he doesn't he doesn't believe her his co-host is named alex beresford good looking guy said i understand you don't like Meghan markle you've made it clear a number of times on this program and i understand that you got a personal relationship with Meghan markle or you had one and she cut you off but has she said anything since she she cut you off has she said anything about you i don't think you have she has, and yet you continue to trash her. That's all this guy said. And Pierce jumps up. I'm done with this. I'm sorry. I'm done with this. And I love that the guy sat there and he looked at his coworkers. This is all on air. And says, we have to deal with him saying this stuff every day from 6 to 7.30. I'm tired of it. Like, he called him, like, diabolical. And, and Pierce Morgan has quit the show, to which I say good riddance to bad rubbish. I hope he's never on TV again. He hasn't really added anything good to any TV show, in my opinion. Like, he was a hot mess here in the U.S. on CNN. He's apparently a hot mess in the U.K. And he'll be a hot mess until the day he's under the ground. And that's just what it is. So I'm glad he's off the show. I want all these bigots to come on out and get cut off. Um, and, of course, Sharon Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne's wife, who clearly doesn't have good taste in men or company because look who she's been married to for many years, has the nerve to write on Twitter, I stand with you, Pierce. People pay you to share your opinion and you have a right to share your truth. Sharon, this the hill you want to die on? What is his truth? What is his truth? His truth is not liking a woman and he has a right to say that? That's not journalism. That's, you know, every frat boy who's mad at a date that didn't follow up. But that's not, that's not something you stand with someone on. Like, if that's your friend, you quietly, maybe, maybe you quietly send a text like, mm, I'm sorry about your job loss, love you. But you don't stand on a hill and die for a person to have a right to slander somebody on TV day after day after day after day. Why? Why? What, like, of all the things to stand with someone on, I stand with your right. You stand with his right to be an asshole? But, like, why? 
That's the whole thing I don't understand. Like, and, and, and there was another clip where, you know, somebody kind of makes a comment about casual racism. So we got to talk about casual racism because a lot of what Megan faced people are calling casual racism, which is like when people say, well, I didn't really call you like the N word. I didn't flat out say I don't like black people. I just said, and then they insert something else that's completely racist, but because it's not what they think racism is, then it's not the kind of racism they want to hear you tell them about. And I need people to understand that when a person of color tells you that's racist, just accept it and change. When a gay person tells you that's homophobic, just apologize and change. When a woman tells you that's sexist, just accept it and stop. I'm trying to think of other marginalized groups. When a person that is disabled tells you that you are being ableist, just listen and change. This is, don't argue. Well, I, it doesn't matter if you meant it. Apologize. But, you know, please stop arguing with intent. Well, I didn't mean to, okay, baby, but look how, you know, I didn't mean to back my car over something, but if I damage your property, it's still damaged. And so this is what I need people to understand when we talk about casual racism. Your meaning of it does not negate the damage that it's caused. Intent doesn't matter. If I don't mean to set your house on fire, but your house is burned to the ground, do you care as much that I meant it? If I stand there, are you down? I didn't mean to do it. You still don't have a house. So this is the same thing with a lot of this like casual racism, right? People are like, well, it was not really racist. You know, is that really racist? I mean, so what? The Daily Mirror says that, you know, Megan's love of avocados is causing the destruction and deforestation of the, you know, <laughs> of the Mexican jungles. So what? No, that is still causing mental harm because she is having to deal with undue criticism that her white counterpart did not have to deal with. You see what I'm saying? So I need people to get it because we're seeing some clips of people across the ocean and back who are kind of like, is it really? Yes. The black people have told you it's racist. Accept it. Uh, when we, when people of color tell you, Hey, that's racist. It affects me racially. Accept that. Don't make excuses. You can ask, you can say, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to be racist. Tell me what I can do better. That's fine. That makes sense. You want to be a better person? Go ahead and be a better person, baby. That's what you're supposed to do. But but don't argue down when black people tell you that some mess is racist. <laughs> okay? I don't understand why it's so hard to accept that. I, I am not a perfect person. I have said some things. I have done some things. I've definitely said some things that I've had someone say, hey, you know, that's kind of and I'm like, ooh, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to be homophobic. I don't want to be transphobic. I don't want to be any of those things. I see, you know, and, and been blessed that people have explained to me why the logic of that statement wasn't right. And I have to accept that because my intent may not have been to hurt that person, but it did. So the apology is all I have to give. That's what you got to understand. So as we are dealing with something like this and racism has gotten more and more sophisticated, right? I mean, you know, if you think it's still owning slaves and using the N-word and being a part of the Klan, I need you to understand racism is high class. It's very sophisticated, right? If that's all you're looking for, you're going to miss it. Particularly if you are a person who does not experience racism all the time, you can be the one who says something that makes everybody want to punch you in the face. So that's why I'm saying... <laughs> That as you are watching this situation and seeing the way that Megan is being treated, you got to understand what's happening. Because I'm also seeing a lot of people who think they're being well-meaning and saying, I can't believe Harry and Megan want to live as royals, but they don't want to, they want to, they want the money, but they don't want all the work. And it's like, so what you're saying, you don't think that's racist, but what you're really saying is that Megan as a black woman and other black women should be just fine being abused and mistreated as long as they're getting paid enough. You know what I'm saying? You see how that's, you see how that's racist? But you don't think it's racist? You see how that goes? So I need you to really just think of the things that you're saying. 
and think of the things that your peers are saying and what's being accepted. And then just challenge yourself to say, hmm, why? Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Because people are not getting, a lot of us are not getting the undertones of what we're saying when we say it and why it's offensive. That's what we mean by casual racism. Oh, I'm trying to think, did I leave anything out? Did I miss anything? Did I, is there anybody else who can kiss my behind on behalf of my cousins? Hmm. Well, you know, I'm going to keep my ear to the ground. Piers Morgan, we still hate you. And um, Megan, Harry, Archie, future little girl to be this summer. Uh, I just wish them wellness. They have a production company. We know they have a nonprofit called Archwell. Um, and they're working on that. And as Harry said, they are living authentically. And so kudos to them and kudos to everybody who is trying to live a more authentic life. I keep saying 2021 seems to be what I call 2020 was the year of unveiling. This year is like the chickens are coming home to roost. All of the sort of muck and mire is getting cleaned out this year. And uh, I'm for it. <laughs> Let's clean house, let's call a thing a thing, let's get things together. And I think that it is, I think it's going to be good. There you go. Much love, peace, and support to anyone who is struggling with their own mental health issues. Uh, Miss Megan reminded us that you can never be too wealthy, too beautiful, too powerful, too princessy, too be above mental health issues. And so if you need some help, if you need therapy, if you need counseling, if you need uh, medication, get on it. There's no shame in seeking help. There's nothing wrong with seeking counsel. If you need the name of a therapist, honey, email me. I'll tell you, I don't have no shame about it because there's never any shame. I would rather you get the help you need than to see you having uncontrolled suicidal thoughts we want to keep you here we want you here to live and thrive my loves so uh, my thoughts my prayers and my support as always you can email me at cocktailconvo7 at gmail.com you can leave me a voice memo and that link is in the description box and uh, we encourage you to leave a uh, I encourage you to leave a review uh, and uh, comments anywhere you're listening to this podcast rating and subscribing helps me get the word out and we need more words and more uh support here so i love you babes i hope you all enjoyed the interview and i hope you enjoyed my recap we'll be back next week with a regular episode hope you enjoyed the sangria sermon bye my babes Mwah. <laughs>